So three weeks ago, we started this sermon series called Abnormal Responses, and you can see the graphic behind me, dealing with emotions in an abnormal time. And as we started working through this sermon series, the, the whole plot of it, the whole point of it, was that uh, we were going through COVID and social distancing and, and all these measures that kind of kept us apart from one another and, and, and away from work, and, and many uh, lost their jobs, many uh, lost hours. Like, it was just, it was a, a, an abnormal situation we were living in. And, and, and so we, we decided to enter into this sermon series to talk about how uh, our emotions uh, tend to react in abnormal ways during an abnormal situation. And so it was an opportunity for us to affirm one another, to, to talk about uh, the, the way our emotions are responding differently in this season than they are or were before, and an opportunity to remember that an abnormal response in an ab- to an abnormal situation is completely normal. An abnormal response to an abnormal situation is completely normal. But I've got to be honest with you, earlier this year when when we were preparing this sermon series, the thought never crossed my mind that there would be, that we would be in the place where we are today. The thought never crossed my mind that halfway through this sermon series, there would be so much unrest and pain and anger and struggle across our country. Tonight, we were supposed to talk about joy and how joy comes in the morning, like that psalm says. But, but as I was preparing that sermon, it just did not feel right to preach that sermon in the midst of everything happening outside the walls of this building and across our country. And so we're taking a pivot. I want to talk about abnormal responses to an abnormal situation. I want to talk about how that's normal and what we can do when we see an abnormal response to an abnormal situation around us. And to do that, I want to talk about uh, the Gospel of Mark, chapter 11, where Jesus enters the temple. And here's what it says. This is Mark 11, verse 15 through 18. Then they came to Jerusalem... And he entered the temple and began to drive out those who were selling and those who were buying in the temple. And he overturned the tables of the money changers, and he overturned the seats of those who sold doves. And he would not allow anyone to carry anything through the temple. He was teaching and saying, Is it not written, My house shall be called a house of prayer for all the nations? But you have made it into a den of robbers. And when the chief priests and the scribes heard it, they kept looking for a way to kill him. For they were afraid of him because the crowds, the whole crowd, was spellbound by Jesus' teaching. As I've been looking at this scripture, I can't help but notice an abnormal response to an abnormal situation. Let me unpack that. At the beginning of our story, Jesus is with his disciples, and he has entered into Jerusalem. To put this story into context, this is the day, this is Palm Sunday. Jesus has entered into Jerusalem with the disciples, and and now he is entering into the temple. And when he enters it, he expects to see the house of God. He expects to see this this, uh, place of prayer, a place of healing, a place of comfort. But instead, that's not 
what Jesus finds. See, Jesus doesn't find a sacred place. Jesus doesn't find what he thought he was going to find. And see, that was important because the temple was a very important place to the Israelites, to the, to the Jewish people. This was a very important place. It was the holiest of holiest places. It was the place where you could come and you knew you were going to be in the presence of God. This was a holy place. If you remember the Old Testament, when, when the temple, uh, if you remember your, your, your biblical history, when the temple falls, the Israelites, uh, they have to scatter. They're scattered across the world. And, and for them, it's almost as if God has left them because the temple is destroyed, because the temple was the dwelling place of God. And when they're allowed to return, one of the first things they do is build that temple again. Because if that temple is there, then surely God's presence is there with them. The temple was a sacred place. But when Jesus shows up, that's not what he finds. He finds vendors and merchants. He finds a place of business that's making a profit. See, let me unpack that statement for a second. We mentioned earlier, I mentioned earlier that Jesus and his disciples were coming into uh, Jerusalem. And we know, as 21st century people, we know that this is the part of the story where Jesus enters Jerusalem. He's eventually uh, crucified. He dies. He's buried. And he experiences resurrection. We know that that's how this story ends. But but for everybody that was there, for the disciples, they had no clue that that was going to happen. Jesus had told them, but they really had no clue that was going to happen. You see, for them, they were coming to Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover. If you were Jewish, it was custom that everybody, no matter where you live, no matter where you were, you would travel to Jerusalem and celebrate the Passover. And at Passover, you would go to the temple and you would sacrifice an animal. You would remember what God had done for you. You would remember that you are forgiven. You would celebrate God's love. So we're, we're, as Jesus enters into the temple, the context of the story is that they're preparing, the people are preparing for Passover, and it would have been very normal for people to come from all over the known world, all Jewish people to come from all over the known world to that temple to buy an animal for sacrifice. An ox, a sheep, a dove. It was like they were selling uh, pre-approved sacrificial animals. And you see, what they were doing was, uh, it was, a, it was it, I picture it as a great marketing campaign, right? Are you tired of traveling all those miles with your animal, trying to keep it safe, trying to keep it fed, trying to keep it from dying of thirst? If that is you, just come to the temple and you can get this uh, uh, fresh, uh, freshly washed, uh, really well-fed animal that you can sacrifice to God. Have you ever traveled with an animal? Maybe a dog? My wife Susie and I, when we go visit uh, our family, we usually take Zoe with us, and it is uh, so difficult to travel with a pet. 
I remember one time we were going to San Antonio, and as we were uh, entering into Houston, Susie and I thought, let's go get our favorite meal at this breakfast place. And, and we had all these plans, and we were going to show up, and, and we were going to order, and I knew exactly what I was going to get. And, and then it dawned on me that we had our dog Zoe, and we couldn't leave Zoe in the car. So instead, we stopped at a gas station and picked up some food and kept driving. See, traveling with a pet is very difficult. It is today, and I'm positive it was, it was as difficult then, and it was probably even more difficult because these animals weren't pets. These animals were, were, were meant to uh, be sacrificed to God. These animals were, were meant to be given to God, and, and, and the whole purpose of these animals was that they had to be perfect. They had to have no blemishes. They couldn't be hurt. Imagine the hassle of having to travel from wherever you're coming with an animal like that. So instead, the vendors decided, hey, we'll sell you the animals here. They'll be a little more expensive, but it's better than dealing with that hassle. And then the money changers, right? Jesus gets mad at the money changers in our scripture too. The, the, the money changers realize, well, there's these people coming from out of town and they have to change money uh, some way. Uh, so instead of them traveling through the city trying to find a money changer, what if we can change the money here? That'll be a little more expensive, but, but, but it's better than having to travel around the city trying to find someone. You see that the temple had been turned into a place of profit, They knew that people needed money exchanged. They knew that people needed these animals, and so they started using that as a way to make a profit. And Jesus shows up and says, there's something wrong with this. Jesus shows up and says that that, that this isn't right. Jesus shows up and notices that there is a systemic problem in that place, and he gets angry. He notices an abnormal situation and has an abnormal response to it. He flips over tables. He flips over chairs. He kicks out the money exchangers. In this moment, Jesus has an abnormal response to an abnormal situation. But if our sermon series is correct, then maybe his response is completely normal. To that situation. But here's the thing. I don't want to focus too much on Jesus tonight, because we can all relate to Jesus in some way, shape, or form. We all know what it's like to be frustrated at something that isn't right. We all know what it's like to call out something that isn't right. We, we can all relate to Jesus, but tonight, it's not about relating to Jesus' character. I want to talk about the the, the people who are in that place watching Jesus have this abnormal response to this abnormal situation. You see, there's two groups of people. One of the groups, we're told, is the chief priests and the scribes, the religious leaders. They're in that place. And then the other group is the crowd. The religious leaders, the first group, we're told in verse 18 that, that when all this happens, they, are, uh, they become afraid, they become scared, and, and what, they, what they end up doing is they end up uh, co- coming up with a plan to kill Jesus, right? It says they, they continue to find a way to kill Jesus. The other group, 
we're told in verse 18 as well, that they listened to what Jesus had to say. In fact, part of the reason the religious leaders are mad is because this crowd was spellbound as Jesus was teaching them. And I imagine that Jesus was maybe teaching them about why he was so angry in that moment, about why he responded the way he did. I'm sure in that moment he taught them about uh, why, why everything that was happening was wrong and offered them a better future. The crowd listens in and has an opportunity to understand the pain that Jesus is feeling. But the religious leaders, they just plot to kill Jesus. Now look, I don't blame them. I get it. I hear their arguments. They're not in the Bible, but I, I, I can just imagine what they would say, and I, and I wouldn't say that they're necessarily wrong, but I can just imagine them saying, right, well, Jesus was out of place. This isn't the place to throw a scene like that. It's a holy place. Jesus should not be turning tables here. Jesus should not be kicking anybody out of the temple. He's wrong. I, I can hear the arguments of people saying, well, Jesus is disrupting the financial institution of this place. People are not going to have money in their pockets tonight because he overturned the tables. Even if they're cheating people out, he disrupted their financial situation. I can even hear people saying, well, Jesus has put people in trouble because if they don't have an animal to sacrifice, are they going to be right with God? Is God going to love them? Is God going to forgive them? Will they truly be able to celebrate the Passover? I can hear their argument as they plot to kill Jesus. This week has been really tough for me. There has been a lot of social unrest across the country. And every day, I'm reminded that I am, I'm reminded that I'm too white to understand what it is to be black. And that I'm too black to understand what it's like to be white. I've had people tell me that I shouldn't talk or share because there's no way I understand what it's like. That my voice has nothing to do with the voices that are being heard all across the country. And I hear it. But here's the thing. I don't want to be a part of those religious leaders in our story who just stand there and complain and plot to kill. I don't want to be part of, of the problem. I want to be part of the solution. You see, I think the solution is found in the crowd who sits there and sits with Jesus and hears what Jesus has to say, and in doing so, they understand his pain. They understand his struggle. They understand what he is going through, and all of a sudden, they come to know that Jesus' abnormal response to that abnormal situation is actually quite normal. Whatever pain 
anger, fear, sorrow, questions, worry, whatever you have in your hearts today. I want to tell you that whatever response you have to it, it's normal. The anger to this situation, it's normal. The, the sorrow to this situation, it's normal. The fear, the worry, it's all normal. These abnormal responses that we say we have, they're a completely normal response to an abnormal situation. So here's what I want to do today. For my black sisters and brothers, I want to tell you I hear you. I hear the pain. I hear the suffering. I hear the anger. I have felt some of it myself for being brown, and I can only imagine what you must feel like considering what I have been through. I hear you. It's time for change. For my white brothers and sisters, hear this in love. At Mid City Church, one of our values is kingdom diversity. That means that all people, all people are invited in the kingdom of God, are invited into God's grace and peace and love and hope, that all people deserve to be treated as people and equally. And if, if we don't do anything to make sure that all people are included, then we are not living into that value. The kingdom of God is diverse. And we are called to be advocates for that. I don't have a solution to what we are going through as a country right now. I do have a lot of pain and tears and anger. I get tired of looking through social media sometimes. It's hard be a person of color, it's hard to have conversations. I don't know the solution to all of this. But I do know that in this text, when Jesus shows up and he, he, he lets his anger and his sorrow and his frustration show up in that place, it is those who are willing to listen to the pain and the anger and the sorrow that are changed by that. And so I pray that we may be a church, that we may be a people who chooses during this season and every season to listen to one another, to hear each other's pain, to hear the anger, to hear the stories, to listen in. Because I believe that just as those crowds came to understand Jesus, so too can we come to understand the pain across our country right now. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, I give you thanks. I give you thanks because you are a God who never abandons us 
And God, no matter what is happening across our country, we know that you are still in control and that you will get us through this and that things will be okay. But, but God, we pray that we may be agents in bringing about that healing. I pray that we don't wait around for you to do something to fix this. I pray that, that we may be willing to be used by you to fix this that we may listen to the pain and the anger and the suffering and the sorrow and, and that we may, may be able to, to relate and understand it, God. Soften our hearts. Soften our hearts, God. May we not be quick to judge as those chief priests did in the temple that day. May we be quick to listen, to hear, to understand. Amen.